Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. We will be breaking down the previous series against the Altoona Curve. Somerset's hitting the road this week as well. They head to Reading to take on the Fighting Phils. So we'll be talking all things Somerset Patriots baseball coming up here in just a moment. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! All right, Mark, so the Patriots split a six-game set with the Altoona Curve. It's the first time we've seen a pretty talented Altoona team here at the ballpark, although they were without their top pitcher, Roansi Contreras, as well as a top prospect and shortstop, O'Neal Cruz, both on the injured list. Uh, and then Kanan Smith and Jigba also got hurt late in the series, didn't play the final game. But for Somerset, it was really kind of a, a roller coaster series, dropping the first two, winning the middle, and splitting the final two. Yeah, let's start at the beginning of this series because it's important to add some context that the Patriots had lost each of their last three games in the preceding series against the Richmond Flying Squirrels. And all three of those games were games in which the Patriots held at least a three-run lead late in the game and then ultimately lost, including a heartbreaker on Sunday where they had lost, I think it was a 5-1 lead going into the bottom of the sixth inning. They led 7-4 going into the bottom of the seventh and ultimately lost that ball game. So starting off this series against Altoona, the Patriots were back home. They were in familiar territory, and they jumped out to another early lead against this Altoona Curve squad. I mean, we go back to that Tuesday ball game. The Patriots got a home run from Oswald Peraza in the first. They got a three-run shot from Isaiah Gilliam in the second. They got runs in the fourth and then in the sixth. So they were leading 6-1 going into the seventh inning. And that's when the we- the wheels really came off for the Patriots. Barrett Lowski came on uh, in his first appearance as a Patriot, allowed three runs in the seventh inning on the Kanan Smith and Jigba three-run double. And then in the eighth inning, uh, Zach Green allowed five runs uh, all earned on four hits, including the uh, three-run home run to Jiwon Bay. The game was tied before that. And, you know, the Patriots ultimately lost that game nine to seven. It was the biggest lead that they've led up uh, in a loss this season. And so it sort of felt with that loss that there was an inevitability with the Patriots dropping a game late, which was such a, a feeling that we haven't had this year because Somerset's pitching staff has been so strong. And then the next night, uh, the game was tied going into the fifth inning on Wednesday night, but then Altoona put a sixth spot on the board uh, in the top of the fifth inning. Somerset got a got three runs late to make it a three-run ball game, but ultimately lost. So you start off this week with a couple of really tough losses. There were some big innings for Altoona, we were impressed by a lot of the bats in the lineup. Mason Martin was getting off to a strong star, Kanan Smith and Jigba. And, you know, it, it seemed like the expectations for this Patriots team were kind of dying down a little bit. 
uh, because Altoona, a better opponent, and you know Somerset was struggling, and there was all those transactions last week with Richmond, so this is a different team. And they were able to bounce back after that, but it was a really tough start to the week. Well, and then, so they've lost five straight now at this point after Wednesday night's game, the most uh, that they've lost in a row this season. But then they come in and blow the cover off the baseball. A 10 nothing win on Thursday. A huge game, the biggest of the season from Jason Lopez, who had a two-homer night with five RBI. He finished three for three in that contest. Brandon Lockridge also had a pair of homers and four RBI. Oswaldo Cabrera went deep as well. They put together this full effort in addition to a shutout from the pitching staff, Sean Semple, dazzled through six scoreless. Yeah, you brought up all of the bats, and we'll get into those bats a little bit later, but I did want to focus in on Sean Semple because he was with the team to start the season. His first start of the year, he went four scoreless, allowing just one hit. He was actually part of a combined two-hit shutout on May 5th against the Harrisburg Senators, Uh, but his last start with the Patriots was on June 11th against Erie, in which he actually performed well. He struck out a season-high seven batters at the time, and then on that huge day with those 15 transactions, Semple was sent down to high A Hudson Valley, where he performed very well. So he came back to the Patriots for this week. He had the start on Thursday. So we were curious what adjustments would Sean have made in his time with Hudson Valley to prepare himself to be back up at double A level. And he had his best start of the year. I mean, six innings, no runs, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, uh, really attacked hitters from the get-go. He wasn't dancing around at all, uh, was very forward with his pitches, and it, it, it performed quite well for the Patriots. And then Kevin Gadea and Ron Marinaccio finished it off for that combined two-hit shutout. So really, really promising effort from Sean Semple in that start. And then Somerset goes on to win on Friday night as well. They were behind in that game 2 to nothing. Altoona with a pair of early runs thanks to a Mason Martin RBI. We saw a lot of those as well as a Brent Sitta, his first time in the lineup in a couple weeks coming off the injured list, a 2-4 performance from him. Let's fast forward to Saturday, though. So Somerset with some momentum off of those two straight wins. They snapped the five-game skid. And then again, they fell kind of back into what we've seen over the last few weeks. Not a lot of offense, and the bullpen got hit hard. Yeah, they, they certainly did. And and before we get to the bullpen, there has been this unfortunate uh, tendency with some Somerset Patri- Patriots pitchers, starters, that falter late in their start, that aren't able to fully finish off their start. For Ken Waldachuk, he was on the mound on that Saturday night ball game, and we were tied at one going into the sixth inning. It was Waldachuk's final frame. He was at 80 pitches going into the sixth, and then he struck out the first batter in Kanan Smith and Jigba, and then hit Mason Martin, gave up a double to Daniel Amaral, and was taken out of the ball game. It was another situation where Somerset's starter was so impressive throughout most of the game, but wasn't able to finish strong. And then the line is kind of skewed because mm-hmm. of that poor final inning. So Waldachuk came out, and then Barrett Lowski came on. And it was a really tough week for Barrett Lowski in his first week at the AA level. He gave up the three-run home run to Cal Mitchell in the sixth, and then gave up a pair of two-out home runs in the seventh, including a two-run shot to Mason Martin, a solo shot for Amaral. And uh, Lowski allowed four runs over two and two-thirds innings, and the Patriots weren't able to come back from there. But it was a close game, really, until that point. And it's another situation where a Somerset starter couldn't finish strong. And then uh, the bullpen, and you know, it's been a tough week for Lowski, but the bullpen as a whole over the last couple of weeks have certainly had their parts where they've struggled. And Saturday night was another example of that. And for all that that we just said about the pitching staff, 
Then another bounce back. We said it was a roller coaster. On Sunday, the 5.05 start first of the season for the Patriots. They again blank this curve offense that has been pretty good throughout the series. Luis Medina got the start throwing five and two-thirds uh, scoreless frames, allowed just four hits. Now we faltered a bit with four walks, six Ks. The strikeout's a little down from where he usually is, but we saw him pitch a little differently than he has earlier in his time with Somerset. Yeah, he certainly did. Look, he got a couple of strikeouts in the first inning. He found himself in trouble. So uh, there were runners on the corners in the first inning with one out, and he was going up against the heart of the Altoona order. So he dialed a little bit back and went with the strikeout pitches there. He got Martin down on strikes. He got Amaral down on a nasty curveball. And then after that point, through the middle innings for Medina, he settled in and wasn't quite striking out guys. I mean, he only had three strikeouts over his first four innings, and we know that he's capable of throwing up you know, double-digit strikeout performances consistently. Uh, but what was promising to see for Medina is that his pitch count was low because he wasn't striking out as many guys. Uh, through his first five innings, he was at 64 pitches, which is a very efficient pitch count. And what we found out for Medina is that he was on a, pitch, a bit of a pitch count in terms of when he was going to be taken out of the ballgame because in the sixth inning, he had allowed a couple of base runners. There was two away in the inning. He was at 82 pitches, and he was taken out. Um, you know, it was the first time that he was pitching in nine days. So certainly, you know, an, a limit there for Medina. But overall, you know, the walk numbers still a little high at four. Uh, but he was more efficient with his pitches. The big numbers, zeros on the scoreboard. Uh, the six strikeouts, you know, he can throw up 10, 11 strikeouts if needed. Uh, but it was more of a just a consistent performance for Medina. And he'll work on the on the walks. I mean, with his natural stuff, the movement, the life on his fastball, the life on his curveballs, you know, there are going to be walks. But uh, to limit the hits, to limit the runs, it was certainly a promising outing. This is a Patriots team that, especially throughout nearly the entire first half, was so consistent. But over the last two weeks, they dropped four of six to Richmond, split the series with the Altoona curve. Do you think you saw kind of what you wanted to late in the series against Altoona to see that Somerset can get back to those consistent ways? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you look at the last three weeks, really, you have the series at home against Erie, uh, where the Patriots and the Seawolves split that three-game series. And, uh, you know, there was an opportunity for Somerset to win the series on Sunday and tie up the season series against Erie, and they weren't able to come through. And then you drop four of six to Richmond, and you split the series against Altoona. We knew that these were going to be better teams that the Patriots were playing against in this stretch. And, you know, they've stayed right around 500 over these three weeks. And look, you, you want to win the games that you're supposed to win, and you want to take some games that you're not supposed to win as well. So I think what we've found out about this Patriots team over the last couple of weeks is that they're right there in terms of the ability to compete with any team in this league. And there's going to be those strong series where you're going up against a team like Erie, a team like Altoona. We still have 12 more games to play against both Bowie and Akron, six more games against Portland. So there's still more to find out, and there's still going to be more transactions about the team, uh, you know, moving forward. But what we found out is that you know pitching can always be a great equalizer, and there were some games this week. So there were certainly games against Richmond where the back end of the bullpen faltered, and Somerset lost games that they could have won. Uh, but you know there were still moments in this Altoona series. There were two separate shutouts, and that's what we've grown accustomed to for the Patriots throughout the year. So it's promising to see that even in a series against a stronger opponent like Altoona with a very strong lineup, now granted they were missing some key bats in Sunday's game, but you were still able to see those flashes of what we've seen 
earlier in the season from the Patriots pitching staff. And if you're still able to get those flashes throughout the course of a week, you combine that with some stronger performances from the bullpen, and you have some really strong offensive performances. Like for the Patriots this week, there was you know two really significant contributors. The top contributor offensively for the Patriots this week was Jason Lopez. Mm-hmm. Jason Lopez... Hit 375 this week over five games with two home runs. He led the team with nine RBI. Isaiah Gilliam had eight RBI. Brandon Lockridge, seven runs batted in. Jesus Bastidas had a three RBI game on Sunday. The Patriots are going to have to get contributions from a number of different players uh, if they want to continue to compete at this level throughout the rest of the season. So I saw a fight from the team. I think it's very easy to say, you know, after Tuesday, Wednesday's games, letting big innings get away late. That, you know, all right, well, you know, maybe this is just the way the season's going to go. I think you could attribute a lot of that uh, ending to the performance from Sean Semple. He he came out on Thursday. He was motivated. He was a stopper for this team. I mean, not to say that Semple is necessarily the ace of the staff. uh, There's still a lot to prove at the double-A level. But when you assign an ace, what you hope for, like for the New York Yankees, for example, with Garrett Cole... If the Yankees are faltering, you want Garrett Cole to go on the mound and know, okay, this is a game where we have. And going into Thursday's game, the Patriots have lost five in a row, and Sean Semple has that game. He goes six scoreless. He strikes out nine. The Patriots bounce back with a 10 nothing shutout win, and now it's like, okay, you know, we're back. We got that monkey off of our back. We can compete again, and, you know, we're a good team. And, and that's the motivation that you need to derive as you, as you continue on throughout the year. Well, the Patriots, uh, for their falters as the pitching staff, uh, with Sunday's shutout, have 12 tied for the most in all of the minor leagues. Also one of the best pitching staffs all year long in the minors. And offensively, you mentioned a lot of those names getting the job done. Jesus Pistitas, Jason Lopez, Isaiah Gilliam toward the bottom of the order. That's all with Diego Castillo struggling. So plenty of positives to pick out from this last week for Somerset. They split the series against the Altoona Curve. And uh, when we were Return. We'll look at the Patriots' upcoming series against the Reading Fight and Phils. Somerset saw them a couple weeks ago, and Somerset took four of six against Reading. Another good opportunity coming up on the road. We'll break that all down coming up next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart.
Patriots take the road for a six-game set, taking on the Reading Fight and Fills for the second time this season. Somerset took four of six here at TD Bank Ballpark a few weeks ago. Reading enters the season 29-43. and 43. They're 17 and a half back of the Portland Sea Dogs for the top record in the AA Northeast League entering the week. And for the Patriots, maybe an opportunity to kind of get things right back on track, Mark. Yeah, this is an important series for the Patriots because there's only two series left in the 2021 season in which Somerset plays against a team that has a below 500 record. It's this week in Reading and then the last homestand of the season in September against the Hartford Yard Goats. Aside from that, there are a lot of difficult opponents. We've already talked about it. 12 left against Akron, 12 left against Bowie, 6 against Portland, 6 against Altoona. So with all of those difficult series, you got to take advantage of the games where, you know, you have a good chance to win. The Reading Fighting Phils, you know, they were swept a couple of weeks ago by the Portland Sea Dogs at home, a six-game sweep. And Portland, of course, has won, I think, 17 of their last 18 and 1,000 out of their last 1,002. <laughs> but they were able to take advantage of games where they were favored. They swept the Hartford Yard Goats. They swept the, the Reading Fighting Phils. They took five of six. Uh, from the Harrisburg Senators this la- last week up in Portland. So this is an opportunity now for Somerset to do the same, to take advantage against an opponent that they've had success against already and an opponent that hasn't been playing that well lately. Those Portland wins, that includes three straight walk-off victories at Hadlock Field to end the week after suffering a tight loss against the uh, Senators in the middle of that frame. Let's look at the fighting fills here. I remember the last time they were here, Bryson Stott got the call up. Very exciting. One of the top prospects. Took him a couple days to get his first hit at the double-A level, but it did come through against the Patriots. And now all of a sudden I look on the stat sheet and he's played in 41 games. Was it really that long ago <laughs> that Redding was here? Yeah, it's wild, man. The, the season just flies by every year. It really does. And, and Stott is batting 261 with five home runs and 17 RBI over, over his 41 games. Now, he struggled to begin his time at AA here in Somerset, so we didn't see too much out of Stott, uh, but he's an impressive player. He was in the Futures game. I believe he was in the starting lineup for the National League roster for the Futures game, so he's certainly a, a, a name to follow. A, a couple of other names to look at. I mean, you know, if we're talking offensively, uh, Bonifacio, Jorge Bonifacio, former big leaguer, was in the middle of the order for the Reading Fight and Fills in that last series here at TD Bank Ballpark between those two teams. Bonifacio is now at the AAA level with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. So that is a significant bat that is no longer in the lineup. Other bats to look out for, I mean, there's Madison Stokes, who's only batting 258 on the season, eight home runs, 27 RBI. Luke Miller leads the team with 10 home runs uh, on the season and 29 runs batted in, but he's batting 201. Josh Steven is hitting 200. This is a team that collectively are only hitting 228 on the season. So uh, the offense hasn't quite been there for the Reading Fighting Phils. So they have some guys that can pop some home runs. Luke Miller, I think, had a six RBI game against the Patriots during that homestand, but again, barely over 200 with his batting average. And then on the pitching side, uh, the main name to look at is Francisco Morales. He's the number three prospect in the Philadelphia Phillies organization. And it hasn't been that great of a season for Morales. He's two and eight with a 6.95 ERA. Now, that ERA is almost at its lowest for the entire season because of such a tough start to the year for Morales. The ERA was over 10, over 11, really, for his first seven starts. Uh, There's been a couple of good ones in the month of July for him. 
Uh, he was the guy on the mound that started off a no-hitter against the Erie Seawolves back on July 3rd. Uh, six no-hit innings, striking out eight. He also tossed six shutout frames, allowing one hit against the Portland Sea Dogs back on July 15th. But his last two times out against New Hampshire, uh, giving up three runs in each of those times, including a five-walk performance. And then once you get by Morales and you look at the rest of this pitching staff, there's really nobody else that jumps off the page, both in terms of prospect and in terms of numbers. There's some back end of the bullpen guys that have performed pretty well. Brian Marconi has had a good season across 19 appearances. He's seven for eight in save opportunities. Uh, but, you know, overall, it's the Reading Fight and Phil's pitching staff that has a combined 5.20 ERA on the season. So the Batting average has been low. The ERA for the staff has been high, and it's just been a tough year for Reading. Yeah, I mean, along with Morales' struggles, I think, as you mentioned, that goes hand-in-hand with the rest of the staff. They are ninth of 12 in terms of ERA in the AA Northeast League, but I don't think that is the best indicator for just how poorly they've done in comparison to the rest of all of AA. Fourth worst ERA, it's Hartford with the worst than Springfield, Binghamton, and Reading. So it's been a real struggle. But for Somerset, maybe a really good opportunity to get the offense back on track. I can specifically on a guy like Dermis Garcia, who had a decent week kind of turning things around. Five hits in 21 ABs. Also two big home runs. Yeah, he, he had those two big home runs. The home run that he hit on Sunday was just demolished. Absolutely crushed. And it's a reminder for the kind of player that Dermis Garcia is and, and what he can bring to the table. And Brandon, we've talked so frequently about, you know, if he could just get that batting average up a little bit further north and get it out of the 160s and 170s and get it up to the 225s, 230s, uh, even having it sit there, what that would mean for the Patriots. Well, look at this last week against Altoona. He played in each, six, each of the six games. Uh, he hit 238 which is about where we were asking for that average to be. And, you know, the proof was in the pudding. He hit a couple of home runs. He drew three walks. He did strike out nine times, but he scored seven runs. And, you know, he was an important part of this Patriots team throughout the week. And if he can continue to just hit at that 238 clip, that 240, in between really 220 and 240, not asking for him to hit over 300, but if he's able to be in that area, and then poke a couple of home runs every week, which we know he has the ability to do, then you know that adds so much more depth. It adds power in the middle of the order. It elongates the lineup, and uh, it would be really big for this team. Last thing I want to touch on, Mark, is news that just came across our desks. Sean Semple has been named the AA Northeast League Pitcher of the Week. Very well deserving, and hopefully he can continue that trend here with the Patriots. Yeah, it's so great for Semple. I mean, he's a New Jersey kid. He grew up in South Jersey. Actually, as a Philadelphia Phillies fan. So this will be an interesting series for him as he gets to go up and, and play in Reading. Uh, but for, you know, Semple, six scoreless innings this week, striking out nine in his first start back with the Somerset Patriots at the double-A level. Uh, really fun to watch. You know that he cares. Uh, he pitches with a lot of emotion on the mound. He's got friends and family in the area that, you know, a lot of people are really pulling for him. And, and it's a nice it's a nice award for him. And, you know, it's an award that the Patriots have now enjoyed a number of times this year between Jansen Junk, Glenn Otto, uh, both winning the awards. Now Sean Semple as well. Uh, just a, another feather in the cap for Semple and another feather in the cap for the Patriots. Well, we're not done yet on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Stick right here because when we return, we'll catch up with Patriots outfielder Isaiah Gilliam. That's all coming up next. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. 
TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Green Knoll Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennollgolf.com to book a tee time today. Welcome you back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, sitting down with Patriots outfielder Isaiah Gilliam. Isaiah, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. So I guess the the most uh, obvious place to start is with the last year and a half. Things have been really weird, but uh, what have you you've been up to? Uh, nothing much, really. I mean, we, we're kind of like back to normal now with baseball. Um, during the past, I guess, what, year and a half uh, during COVID, I've just been basically... Uh, you know, continuously perfecting my craft on and off the field, um, you know, due to the amount of downtime that we had during coronavirus. I, well, me and my friend Akil Badu, who's the outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, we decided to open up a barbershop in Atlanta and um, kind of open up to the community in that way. And um, we're still progressing with that. But, uh, you know, things are, things are, I, I can't complain, you know, things are going good. Tell me a little bit more about the barbershop. It's the Fade Lounge and Salon. Do I have that one right? Yes, yes. It's the Fade Lounge and Salon. Um, you know, we, we want to transition at some point into maybe kind of like a lounge at night. Um, I think that'll be different. I haven't really seen a, a salon that transitions into, you know, a, a nightlife type of theme. So I, I think, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And where did the idea come from? Who came up with it first? Uh you know, honestly, I would say Akil came up with the idea. Um, his close friend is a is a barber in Atlanta, very popular. Um, Going to be one of the probably biggest barbers in the country, I can confidently say. Um, and you know, we just kind of we kind of brainstormed. I, I had a venue, um, and we just kind of you know we we kind of put it together like that. So. Take me all the way back to kind of growing up in Georgia, the area you grew up in, what was it like? And uh, were you always a baseball player or there's some other sports you were playing too? Yeah, so I grew up in the east side of Atlanta. Um, I played all three sports growing up. Uh, basketball is still my favorite sport. Um, some people would say that I was a better football player growing up, but uh, my childhood really consists of I went to a lot of Atlanta Braves games back when they were in uh over on the Fulton County side um which is right in the city now they're kind of like in Cobb County but um I grew up watching players like Chipper Jones who influenced me to be a switch hitter um Andrew Jones was one of my favorites to watch and there's just a lot of talent going up through that uh organization during that time and then we fast forward to Chipola College, a place that has had some big names in their baseball program as well. Buck Showalter, Jose Bautista. 
was there any kind of pressure there once you got there and, and was that what attracted you or what uh what kind of made that decision for you well what it, what attracted me there was just uh like 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 you just mentioned pretty much the alumni um i feel like the coach down there coach jeff johnson he he's a highly sought after coach he he really cares about his players but most importantly he's trying to develop you for the next level when people go to chipola it's to eventually play professional baseball and a backup plan might be division one baseball so it's a it's a pro mentality down there pro professional program and that it just it's just a, it's a class act down there and it's no surprise that you see him every year competing for a national championship as well as the high school that i went to parkview high school is just as prestigious um you got matt olson who's in the major leagues you got jeff Francoeur who used to play in the major leagues i mean we probably had over 30 guys drafted in that high school and coach Chan Brown he he has a, a very prestigious program going on over there as well sitting down with Patriots outfielder Isaiah Gilliam so you mentioned D1 is kind of that backup plan you didn't have to worry about the though drafted in the 20th round by the Yankees a couple years back what was that feeling when you got the call Oh, you know, it's an honor. Um, it's just uh, the Yankees is is one of is a worldwide brand, it's a worldwide name. Um, just to, just to wear the pinstripes, uh, you know, it's an honor. And I mean, such a quick adjustment too. It seems like just about every year you've had in the minors, you've been toward the top in the Yankees system, and extra base hits and RBI. What was the adjustment like going from Chipola then to uh, minor league ranks? I think it was just more so the the game speed. Um, it's it's the same game essentially. However, there there's a few different obstacles here. Just like you know, in college, you might have that midweek starter that you're facing that you can take advantage of. But here, it's just there's no days off when it comes to com- when it comes to competing. Um, these are the best players in the world, and you know they're out to get you each and every day. So you kind of have to slow the game down and you know take it one pitch at a time was there anything that you kind of learned early on in your career as how do you go about slowing the game down i think it starts with the routine um whether you have a good day at the plate or a bad day at the plate you have to have some type of routine to bring you back level um because it's not guaranteed that you're gonna have a good day just because you you practice hard you know it's just um i just think that you have to make an adjustment whether it's in the box or whether it's during the game at some point or before the game. But, I mean, it, you just never have this thing figured out. So, This season in Somerset, it seems like you've been one of the more emotional guys on the field. You've come up in some really big spots, hitting that first walk off of the year, spiking the bat. Um, do you play kind of with a chip on your shoulder out there? Yeah, I, I, I try to. You know, I, I, I want to make people proud, you, you know, of pe- people that coached me, um, people that have been with me every step of the way. Um, so I, I do hold a little bit of extra pressure on myself, but um, I tend to release that over the past few weeks and just kind of like enjoying the game again rather than trying to force something to happen. So. And it certainly worked. I mean, in the month of July, you've been hitting the ball like crazy. The power ball has come as well. Five homers this month out of your six in the season. In addition to kind of that more relaxed approach, what are some of the other adjustments that you've made? Um, Well, I give a lot of credit to my hitting coach as well. Um, We've had a plan pretty much the whole year, but we kind of add things here and there. That's kind of like what I mentioned before as far as the adjustment, you know, you, you just gotta. You have to trust the process that you're that you're going about, 
and eventually things will turn around. You just you have to stay relentless and you know, you 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 remember the times that you've done well, but also in a humbling way, you have to also remember when you weren't doing so well. So, you know, you you don't want to be on that high horse. Last thing uh, from you, Isaiah, just kind of take me into the clubhouse. Who are some of the characters? Um, who are the guys that keep it loose? Who are the more intense guys in there? I think this is a very, very, uh, how, how would you call it? This is, a, this is a very diverse team. There's a lot of cultures, but um, everybody gets, a, gets along really well because, um, you know, we're, just, we're, we're all talented and we've been playing really well this year. So that, that helps kind of lighten the mood in the locker room. When we're winning games, we're pitching shutouts, and we got 10 to 12 hits on the board. So you know, we, we got some jokesters on the team. I like the I like the Venezuelans. They they seem to always have a, a just a lively attitude, and and um, you know, every everybody I I enjoy everybody here on this team. Isaiah, I really appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. Plenty of big news around the rest of the Yankees affiliates, including a no-hitter over in Scranton. Luis Heal also named the pitcher of the week. That's at the AAA level for the East Division. So let's check in on the rest of the Yankees affiliates with the Farm Report. Tampa got to action this week with a series against the Clearwater Threshers, the low-A affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. It's been an interesting series, as on Tuesday night, it was a 12-6 loss for Tampa, followed up by a 6-5 extra inning win on Wednesday, two straight losses Thursday and Friday before a 2-1 victory on Saturday evening. It's been a great week for Everson Pereira. Pereira 7-for-17 with three doubles and a team-high six RBIs on the week, including a walk-off two-run single in the win on Wednesday night. In his second week in low A, Jason Dominguez had a hit in all four games he played in and now has hit safely in each of his first nine games with the Tarpons. Tampa wraps up their series with Clearwater with Jonathan Munoz on the mound at 12 p.m. today at George Steinbrenner Field. Entering play on Sunday, Tampa has the best record in low A Southeast at 47 wins and 23 losses, four games ahead of the Bradenton Marauders for first place in the West Division. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Hudson Valley was on the road for the second straight week, this time visiting their old New York Penn League rivals, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. It's the only trip the Gades will make to Maryland this season. 
The Gates opened the series by breaking out for season highs in runs and hits as they throttled the Ironbirds 19-1. Ezekiel Duran had three hits with a triple and two home runs. He drove in six. Chad Bell also had three hits and two home runs with four runs batted in. Anthony Volpe, James Nelson, and Pablo Olivares added three hits each as the Gates collected 20 hits on the night. Three Hudson Valley pitchers combined on a two-hitter. The party continued on Wednesday as the Gades won 8 nothing. Volpe doubled, homered, and drove in three, while Jake Sanford added a home run with two runs driven in. Saul Torres also drove in two. James Nelson and Kyle McDonald added three hits each, and Johnny Brito scattered three hits over six innings with ten strikeouts. Thursday's game was not as easy for the Gades, but they still won 10-9 in 11 innings. It was the sixth win in a row for Hudson Valley. Ezekiel Duran took advantage of the extra innings, smacking a triple that turned into a Little League home run. It also completed the cycle for Duran. Josh Bro hit a three-run homer in the win. Aberdeen finally grabbed a win in the series on Friday in a ho-hum 3-1 contest. The Gades had six hits, including a home run by Anthony Volpe, but they couldn't solve the Aberdeen pitching, led by Garrett Stallings, who won his seventh game. On Saturday, the Gades found themselves down 7-1 after six and tried to play catch-up, but the comeback kids fell short 8-5. Elijah Dunham homered in the loss. Drew Rahm picked up the win for Aberdeen to improve to 8-0. The Renegades finally returned to the Hudson Valley on Tuesday night to host the Wilmington Blue Rocks at 7.05. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, Scranton Wilkesbury carries a 45-22 record and has put together a solid week against the Rochester Red Wings. A 7-6 walk-off Tuesday. We'll get back to Wednesday. A loss Thursday. 14-5 on Friday and a 4-1 win on Saturday. Wednesday, Luis Heal, Reggie McLean, and Stephen Ridings combined for a no-hitter. The first no-hitter thrown by Scranton-Wilkesbury since 2006. Heal struck out nine over six innings and had his fastball on command throughout the course of the game. It was really good. Uh, it was very consistent, especially uh, the velocity and location. Reggie McLean went two innings, struck out two, and Ridings worked a three-up, three-down top half of the ninth, including this for the final out. The 0-1 to Sanchez. Cracked bat on the infield. Fielded by Velasquez at second. Throws on to first, and that is it. The Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders combine to no-hit the Rochester Red Wings. Luis Heal, Reggie McLean, Steven Ridings. Three pitchers combine for a nine-inning no-hitter. It's an eight-nothing win for the Rail Riders. The first no-hitter since 2006 for Scranton Wilkesbury. A lot of good things happening. First pitch between the Patriots and the Reading Fighting Fields at 7.05 on Tuesday night. All the coverage will be on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com. Big thank you to Isaiah Gilliam, who has been red hot in the month of July, a 322 hitter, along with six home runs. He has been really strong for Somerset. We'll see if he can keep it up this week. But that'll do it for another edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. For Mark Schwartz, this is Brandon Pelter saying so long and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. 
Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com, with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.